Hello and welcome to the podcast on jfm.co. This week we're shedding light on how we tell our stories as Africans to the world. Please remember to share remarks and comments on our social media platforms. The About You podcast is proudly sponsored by Diani Reef Resort and Spa located in Diani. It's not a hotel. It's a way of life. Enjoy. So, what comes to your mind when you think of the African story? Is it poverty, war, and disease? It is commonly accepted that mostly about bad news, planes that are landing perhaps successfully are not in the news, but planes that crash are like the Ethiopian one sadly. So, the system of storytelling in Africa is too often incomplete. For example, reports on conflict in some African countries seem to give the impression that all Africans or the entire continent is at perpetual war. Um yet no one would associate the violence in East or Syria or Sri Lanka elsewhere with Asia as a whole. media on its on the other end has always reported that africa rarely focuses on everyday matters or the situation of curiosity of daily life the result is an idea that the african crisis is normal and any good news about the continent is an exception of the rule this narrative needs changing and there have been numerous calls for more uh positive stories especially from africa to tell the real true african story to put this into perspective like enough to be graced by shafi amara <laughs> well amara is a storyteller and also has a project called aqualis uh, capture park yeah and engaging the community through art yeah so amara on the website i'm seeing some elements that look like vifudu kind of gods mm-hmm. or i'm wrong on this one it's not it's um let me i'll have a look first <laughs> yes ah uh, yeah no i think you know there's always been like so much creativity and then these sculptures i think a lot of the time if you're looking across the african continent because africa is a huge place that it's often not just a sculpture there's always a meaning yeah, behind yeah, it yeah. um and even with the especially the things like the masks often people believe that when you put the mask on yeah. then you're also absorbing the spirit of of something else so there's always something that goes into these and i think in modern days a lot of uh, sculptures that are created are created for the mass market and so it has almost lost a, a lot of them have lost that uh, essence that existed um as a as a rule it was just simply how this is how art is and the little trinkets that exist nowadays weren't so prevalent whereas now it is it's the reverse um and yeah so so i guess that image was about taking something that was um pure I guess and something that I I think with this project that we'll be speaking about later on was something that is at the heart of it and the ethos of it and it is about bringing um a spirit back into a community <laughs> that has somehow not been lost but has somehow been mixed up and has been um covered up by a lot of other issues because sometimes life is very difficult and we can't ignore that as well and why some people might find it difficult to engage with the arts and maybe not appreciate the real value yeah, of the arts yeah. yet we're finding some there's this artist Rufus you stumble on I think 2015 that is doing good work with Adidas yeah what's the name of that guy 
the photographer. No, there's a photographer and there's a guy who actually is taking what you're talking about yeah. and taking those prints into uh, Adidas. Some sort of illustrations. Mm. And, and yeah. right now it's on everybody's uh, artist or mm. model's mm-hmm. body. When like, He did the Beyonce video. There's yes. a Nigerian yeah. guy. I yeah, think. he is. Yes. No, 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 no. Um, is an author. Yeah, okay. he does like line, line, line this drawings, white, like line. white yeah, drawings, exactly. yeah. all over the body, <laughs> painted yeah. in different. Mm-hmm. So there's, they represent some Nubian, Nigerian, spiritual kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yet people now have decided to take up that role and put, put that kind of artwork all over their faces, mm-hmm. in events, in you know. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know the kind of harm that does to them, but. Most of the time, I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, oh, I'm super scared. But people nowadays appreciate uh, body art. Yes. Yeah, I can see it's becoming it's becoming mainstream. Not people, yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yourself. Talk about yourself. <laughs> well, I I was to try it, but I didn't get time to do so. Yeah. yeah. That this guy, Michael Soy, probably you know him. Yes. You know Michael Soy. Yes. Yeah, Michael Soy is really good with body body art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I read an article actually about the the guy that you were talking about who's working with Adidas. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think his mother and father wanted him to be a doctor, a lawyer. You know the yeah, usual yeah, kind yeah, of jobs. Yeah, and, so you have to get that he started, for your parents. Yeah, but he started on that process, mm. and then there was just one point when he decided. Actually, nah, nah, nah. you know, my heart is here, yeah. so he decided to stop. And yeah. his parents, you know, Nigerian parents yeah. as well. Ah, what are you doing? But then once he had started following it, then mm. of course he started to build up his following, and then yeah. Beyonce got him. And and then boom. Yeah. So by listening to his soul and his art and experimenting and just drawing and body art painting, you know, he, yeah. yeah. Now he's big. He's very big. Now we big. know about um, the the culture in, in Nigeria and all that because we only know of the South African print work and what they do and actually it represents the entire African kind of culture entirely. The maybe, maybe the big question is on uh, on the consumers, Yeah. What we consume, are we aware of what it means? Or are we just consuming because somebody else is doing it? Well, I guess we just consume because someone famous is really doing it. Like That's, in fashion, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a symbolism of expression, right? Uh, where you want to express yourself differently. Now we're in an age whereby everyone wants custom-made experience or whatever. Where now, for instance, your case, you're talking of now Kwale... People who are doing art in Africa, in Kuala rather, need their own space, you know, like where they can put their art, they can feel represented and, and you know, what's the word, um, get recognized, you know, for what they're doing. And everyone wants custom-made kind of treatment entirely. For instance, that's how Facebook is unique and WhatsApp. You can add, you can block, you can do whatever you want. You can personalize. You can, pa- exactly, you can yeah. personalize your email account and sure. so on and so forth. So it applies to almost everything so yeah it's the same mm-hmm. not um this is the point where now shafi you tend to talk about yourself like what do you do where are you from so why maybe, are you here maybe a point of correction sure, sure. please use mobundu because I, I prefer africanizing myself i believe uh, our identity was lost not when the white man came in africa yeah, yeah, yeah. but when the arabs came because our, our our forefathers had to to take their cultures in, yeah, they had to to blend in with them, 
had to accept Islam to accept uh, the dressing codes and the names at last by the way yeah. uh, talking of that i was watching a documentary at uh, with bbc and it was about this actor he's an old, she's an hollywood actor her name is ketensho ketensho so she, the question was why do you have two english names you are nigerians we know nigerians to be so proud with their and where she comes from i don't know what part is it niger delta but uh, uh back then when the whites came they were where they settled the missionaries and the settlers whenever they settled they'll adopt a family an african family and the family will stay there as their slaves and they'll adopt the master's name so get hensho said the name hensho was her great great grandfather's name that they were they adopted from the masters it's like george so yeah hensho yeah, so it, it yeah so that becomes like the family name so mm-hmm. if you're a hensho we must somehow relate mm. yes. so yeah so realize oh there's so many that's that's why we had like who is it to desmond elliot hey, desmond elliot yeah, rita dominic Eric, yeah rita dominic so, so yeah Mm, interesting. So Mobundu. Yeah, Mobundu. Yeah. What does Mobundu mean? Mobundu is a family name. Then Sekeseke now. Sekeseke now is my I saw trademark. Yeah. <laughs> is it from Mobutu Sekeseko that's when you decided yeah, to Yeah, it evolved from Mobutu Sekeseko. Yeah. Kukubanga. Yes, Sekeseko. Mm. Kukuzabanga. Uh this guy was a troublemaker, yeah. And my writing basically brings trouble to you as no. you read it. Why? Yeah. <laughs> That's why Mobundu Sekeseke just like Mobutu. Sekeseke. So what do you do with yourself? Uh, basically, I'm a teacher by profession, uh, teaching English and literature at Magawani Secondary School. Uh, I'm also a poet, uh, a writer. I do write short stories. Magawani thing is uh, just before you reach... Best Tanzania. Yeah, the Sands well, project yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in Kwale County actually yeah. the biggest Sands yeah. project in yeah. Kenya. Yeah. So, how are you finding being a teacher? Being a being a teacher at this age uh is challenging, yeah. Because you have a lot to do. People are having a lot of expectations in you. People want you to be wild, to travel the world and and do this and that, trying a lot of things like drugs and all that. But now you have to balance yourself and look at life. What 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 do you want in life? Yeah. Then there's the type of kids that are teaching right now. Yeah. The digital world. Everybody has a phone. Are Everybody they digital from where you're coming from? Well, where you're teaching? Yeah. <laughs> They're not digital in any sort of way. Everybody it's, is becoming digital. You just <laughs> give it a pre-urban <laughs> goodness. Yeah, you do get respect. <laughs> sure. Because what the do they call you, teacher? Malimu. Malimu. Everybody calls you Malimu. Wow. Yeah. So when you go to a shop, they, they normally serve you first. Yeah. Mm. So I'm still young. No, no, I'm Zepale. Zepish Malimu. <laughs> so you're there for your huduma number and like push your malimu on a class you know so I'm like you realize how you Lord. that yeah. is huh? saying actually it's more of a responsibility than yeah. just the privileges sure you're talking to the guy who was actually sifting every information from teachers the old guys the friends that he had rofus mm-hmm. were all teachers who are boring let me tell you something <laughs> about being a teacher you see that girl was awarded the best teacher in the world oh yeah yeah, yeah. the guy yeah. who wears the catholic robe 
Okay, not yes. only the Catholic, but there's mm-hmm. a meaning behind that. It mm-hmm. has a hoodie behind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So back then, being a teacher was a normal job. You don't get paid. However, the community, with the hoodie you would, you'd carry behind, they'd give you anything. So they'll give you food, uh, the harvest, you know. So it's a noble job being a teacher. But he earns, he doesn't do it for money, huh? Like he belongs he, to a religious... He, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, he used to give 80% of what he earns. Okay. He earns. Yeah. And right now, yeah. all the money. is not the only one. Uh, there's a professor in Harvard, if I'm not wrong. can't remember the name. He also won the same award that he did. And he, he said, the institution asked him, what do you want because he said, I want all this money to go to a charity, whatever, in the same institution where poor or, you know, students who can afford to be in that school can actually get money from that uh, kitty or foundation so that they can proceed with their education. So the institution, the university asked him, what do you want us to do for you? And he said, I just need a parking space. And that's <laughs> all they provided. How yeah. noble. How noble. That's why right. they got that award. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, so are you heading towards those directions? Because I see you telling You're people, you know what? I am Walimu. <laughs> I need this number yeah, more you than you do. Yeah, 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 let's hope I'll be there. So basically, what, what, what in, that, in that line of thought, yeah? is um i link with other 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 people in the in the in the sector yeah like uh this guy abu abu was coordinating an activity by hekaya africa so this is a platform to to bring young young poets uh young orators uh to go and see what other people are doing because these students of mine uh they're in Magaoni secondary school but in Kwale County. Kwale County, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was saying it's very urban but now it's rural. It's <laughs> super rural. It's shifting now. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> so they're in a rural setting. So if somebody knows that he is the best in the school, he won't push any 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 further from that point. So it's good that they go outside there, they meet other students who are also poets. Yeah, now they get that exposure and they can pull up their songs. Most of the students, from my understanding, is that most of them haven't crossed actually the ferry. Mm-hmm. They haven't been to as far as Likoni Ferry. Yeah, they or, were excited about yeah, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. can only imagine. So <laughs> there's no pre-urban setup in yeah, any way. Can still justify that. <laughs> You're doing a pretty good job. But just about the poetry. Are the kids writing their own poetry? Yeah, they yeah. do compose their poetry. Yeah. Poetry, yeah. Then they submit it. Yeah. And normally on Fridays. Friday and Monday and Friday we have an assembly. Yeah, that's cool. So one of them uh, has the opportunity to perform before the school. Oh, it's wow. a culture to them. I actually, found them doing that. Okay. Yeah. So okay. what I'm doing, I'm taking them higher mm. okay. because actually that is really helping them to be confident. Sure. And be able to express themselves in in a, in a big crowd and. Mm. Yeah, you're doing a good job. So Mara, yeah. tell us what are you doing with your life yeah. and why are you doing what you're doing? Okay, so so it's a bit complicated because I'm I have a I have many hats on. So Ooh, I am <laughs> magician. Yeah, so my main job, my my main job is a, a performance storyteller which uh, most people have no idea what is. Trust me. The first time I came across, I told, I told him. Uh-huh. That's why, like, a year later, I realized they actually bookmarked your... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your website. website. Yeah, website, yeah. So we were looking forward to having you in a and podcast. And so it has taken a year to have you here. <laughs> yeah. you are, you, it's a nine yeah. to five. 
No, job. it's a 24-7. Yeah, it's a 24-7. <laughs> it's a, yeah, there's no nine to five about it. And I think because a lot of people, it's a newish profession. So I've kind of mm. created it for myself oh. in a sense, because of course we've ha- we have storytellers. We've had storytellers since the beginning yeah. of time. Yeah. Um, but I guess performance storytelling it, in my case is mm. what that involves is a lot of different things. Mm. So I work with kids, of course. So I go mm. into the schools and use stories to inform or educate for certain oh. things. So sometimes it might be, um, because I'm based in Scotland a lot of the time, uh, people are interested to know about Africa. Mm-hmm, so yeah. you'll use them to, you'll use stories to kind of inform and challenge perspectives and things like that. Sometimes it's, you know, if the if I'm going in and they have a particular theme, like the environment, for example, then you find stories that can raise relate, discussion yeah. and re- uh, that are, re- yeah, that relate to that particular topic. So I do a little bit of schools. I also create shows that I then perform at festivals and I tour them around around the world um and yeah that sounds like fun it's fun but i think you know people think that you're standing there then you're telling a few stories for a few minutes and then that's because that's how i'm picturing (laughs) it but there's a lot of work that goes behind that so you have to um because sometimes you're creating stories from scratch other times you're taking the old stories and making them a little bit more contemporary. Other times you you might you might hear a story and the essence is good, but the rest of it, the packaging, just doesn't work. Or sometimes there's an old story or a story from a particular culture that if you're trying to transfer to make it eligible or legible for other people, you have to understand certain significant things about that particular culture in order to grasp, you know, certain aspects of it. So you have to either change that to make other people understand the significance of what's going on in the story. Which is not easy. It's not easy. Um, Or you have to kind of recreate the story in a different way that that people will understand. Does that involve you now going into these communities and maybe perhaps sitting with people who are knowledgeable about the culture and all that? Wow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And especially, I think, because if you're telling stories um, that are from a culture that is not exactly yours, you have to be very careful about that because people just think, oh, you read a story or you hear a story and then you regurgitate it. Um, But I think to be authentic to the story, because we live in a world of cultural appropriation now as well. And I think you have to be just sensitive to to certain things and look at the wider culture and what informs that particular story because otherwise you might just tell it and you're actually really missing a lot of things which is what happened is what's happened to a lot of African stories across time someone comes they hear it they take it away and actually they twist it in a certain way because their understanding of African cultures is very different and is very minimal or there is no understanding so they're just saying oh it's about you know devils and actually it's not about shetanis or anything it's about something that's far more complex than that but they take a very simplistic approach to it because from my understanding it's just the same way the romans is no 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 not the romans the what are they called the greeks guys from greece or whatever and we're quite proud and sensitive about our own cultures and experiences so that's not an easy job not really. At first, I thought it was this fun thing. You know, you it's have fun. A microphone. Don't get me wrong. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. it's so do you fun. have a specific edge bracket of, of, no. of the no. audience? No, stories no. can be heard by anyone. Everybody. Anyone. Everybody. Okay. But I think that the way I approach the storytelling is um, I think I, I go to that childish part of us. Mm. There's a short story I might tell later sure. on, but it's about, um, you know, as we get older, we become a little bit more... Uh, just condensed and cracked and dry mm, and our imaginations and our creativity yeah, is not the same as we are when mm. we're kids. We become and critical. You, yes, critical exactly. So you, you have to find a way to 
get straight straight into that imaginative part. So you could tell the most fantastical story, and you want people thinking, "I is that true?" I mean, clearly, in a, from a rational perspective, yeah. it is not. But you want people to think, oh, really? I, want more. Yes. I, want I was trying more. to share a story that you told, you presented when we were at the Rotary meeting. Okay. Yeah. He's uh, a terrible storyteller. <laughs> no, actually, yes. I couldn't capture everything. Yeah. However, to me, it really stood out. Uh-huh. Yeah, because later, uh, like, I could get from fellow yeah. Rotarians, like, mm-hmm. how amazing that session was, mm-hmm. you know. They were even, like, they could ask uh, about the... Majorly, it was about the gekuyu and where the women are not supposed to eat, eat meat. meat. I remember. Ah, ask, yeah, yeah they actually ask gekuyu, uh, was, was this true? Like, was mm-hmm. this allowed? Like, were women allowed to eat meat? Like, they wanted to find how true was it, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it was a myth or... <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's a proverb, was, there's a gekuyu proverb yeah. about that. And a lot of people, like the gekuyus who hear when I tell that story, yeah. uh, because sometimes, you know, it's like quite nerve-wracking when you're telling, I'm not gekuyu at all, yeah. but then you're telling story and then there might be some people there. And then they say, ah, that's where the proverb comes from. So they know the proverb, but they don't know so the story. The proverb? I, don't, I don't know the proverb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak the language. They don't, uh, but, uh, the, but there's a problem, the proverb oh, about yeah. meat. There and, yes. other people at the session but you could tell how excited they were and they wanted to know whether that story like how true that story was you know so probably that channel the 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 inner child in child them. yeah yeah it's a world of possibilities <laughs> now when you're talking about the inner child within yourself i could only picture what i saw and it's a long time since i had of a story someone telling me a story he tried but he i was missing out because i wanted to sound like you yeah Yeah. 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 everyone has their own way yeah Yeah. sure shafi how do you do it when you 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 are trying to relate with your students or when you are doing your community work sure so 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 what i encourage them to do is that whenever you're trying to tell a story every time you tell it you tell it afresh you don't look at your past performance and say i want to do it perfectly like i did it in uh, mombasa it's, it's a different case you have a different audience yeah then there are some new aspect that you'll have to add to your to your performance yeah maybe last time you didn't do a, a song maybe you didn't dance so you can start dancing in this new uh, presentation yeah do you dance yourself because i know for a fact that if you can walk then you can dance yeah, yeah. just, just, just <laughs> oh, <please>. <laughs> some <laughs> people would disagree <laughs> yeah then also uh, the story that you're telling yeah you should be there's this oral traditions yeah you look at the culture of those people so you try to relate maybe you're talking about uh wadigo in, along the coastal area yeah so you'll be mentioning things that are relevant to the to the people along the coastal like kupika waliwanazi things to do with coconut oil coconut uh, body oil yeah so you try to relate with, with those things so that the people can know that this story was set in coast if it's about the uh, luanda magere yeah tell us about they used to eat uh, though it's a stereotype tuambiwa loyal kwa kula sima kubwa kabla kwenda kwa vita yeah but they used to be their charming stuff before they go luanda magere was luya He must Luo. be Luo, yeah. He was Luo. He was Luo. Sure. Yeah, yeah he was Luo. Did, did they intermarry? Was Wasn't he a, no, a product? No, he was No, there is Fumo Liongo and Liongo's. then there is Luanda Magere. Now Luanda Magere... Um, Luanda Magere sounds so Luo. Yeah. Because, no, he was a Luo he and he wanted... He actually got Luo. duped, no, by a Kisiga. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I remember so well because if I'm not wrong, um, them days, mm-hmm. so Luz and Kisis were not in good terms, you know, because they almost live in the same area, same you know, and Luanda Maguero was this powerful, giant warrior. Hercules. He was the Hercules <laughs> of this, you know, and he was so victorious in his conquest Conquest. Mm-hmm. Is it conquest? I mean, it mm, will go with that. It will yes. go with that, just <laughs> for now. And the, the Kisi community on the other end wanted to do away with him because he was the only pillar that was there to, you know, stopping them from destroying what is Luo at that time. Sure. So they, it's like the Samson, Samson and Delilah story. Yeah. So they had this Kisi beautiful girl that. Luanda Magere fell in love with and he told almost all stories about where he draws his path from. Now, this part in storytelling Ooh. where it's true that Luanda Magere is not Luya. Ah. But I will create my character. Was not Luo. Was not Luo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll create my character and say, this is Luanda Magere. The new Luanda Magere. But Luanda Magere did, was not a warrior. He wasn't. No, in my story. Oh. You see? So every time you're telling it, you tell it afresh. Yeah. Like I'm telling you the story of Luanda Magere. But this is not the, the hero that you know. This is Luanda Magere. Same story like I tell you the story of Fumo Leong or Kinja Ketile or Kinja Ketile Ngwale, yeah? So instead of portraying him as a heroic character to me, I will say that Kinja Ketile was a coward because a story has a lot of sides. So maybe the story that you know that Kinja Ketile was a warrior, yeah, it was written from the perspective of the African person. But uh, a white man will tell you Kinjeketile was a coward, probably. Maybe. Yeah. Perhaps. Perhaps. So yeah. every time you tell it afresh, you give it your, your own New point of view. Yeah. yeah and you, you, you enliven your characters to take uh, the personality that you want them to have. Mm. Yeah. What's the oddest thing, Mara, you've, uh, you've heard from the African stories? Perhaps you're like, ah, this can't be, but you just keep. You know, telling hey, the story. You know, stories, there's so many. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that question because the whole thing about stories is that it's just the imagination and everybody's imagination is, 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 is so, it's crazy it's the crazy. stuff that goes on in our minds. Yeah, um, and yeah, the possibilities and like, the, I love the creation myths. Because the creation myths, you just think, what? Who came up with that about, you know, people crawling out of the vagina that was once under somebody's armpit? And you're like, really? You know, there's like amazing, like ridiculous things. Where is that story from? (laughs) Who are these people? Goodness. So there's just, there's so many, you know, chickens that are falling from the sky. There's... You know, and then there's really beautiful versions of the created creation myths as well. And yeah. yeah, so I there's just there's too many, too many odd, odd, crazy things. Most of this information is not publicly put out there. You just have to sort yourself into getting it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it just boils more interest into understanding most of these things. And you can only get them by interacting with people, maybe literature that was there before. But now the biggest worry is that um, history can be tampered with or information in light of stories can. And we are seeing that right now in Africa, where now uh, African stories are more, you know, messed up. The only thing you hear of in the news is we're in war, disease, and all that. I don't know what you think about that, but... um, 
I think we're just reinventing the wheel every minute and we're not doing a good job as Africans ourselves by putting a good message out there about ourselves. For instance, the Sudan issue that has been happening is the same thing that happened in Egypt. Yes, Africa is rising, but how are we going about it? How are we telling our own stories, you know? It's the same story what is happening in Sudan. It's the same story that happened in Egypt. And I would love to know your perspective about that. You don't have to be political in any way, but what do you think about how we are telling our own stories? First of all, I'd like to say one thing that the pen is mightier than a sword. Okay. Yeah? That is why uh, the Sudan uprising, they were mobilizing through social media. It's through writing. Yeah? Uh, also in Kenya... Uh, the articles that were being aired, yeah, they were portraying radical images, yeah, though biased. So the, the, the question of bringing change, a positive change, is uh, asking ourselves, are you writing, then taking it to the mainstream media? Or who is controlling the mainstream media? What is the mainstream media accepting at the end of the day? Because not every Kenyan can access uh, Such social platforms. media, yeah. Mm. And also, let us look at, at the youth because the youth uh, and women make up a, a big percentage of the voters. Can they access, or do they have that culture of accessing these news or websites or blogs, or, or they just want to do is chat the whole day, yeah, in a group chat? Hello, VP on the beach. It's the, it's a political. Uh, period, but people are busy going to the beach, not knowing what is happening. Probably, like you said, there were uh, protests in Congo. Congo, Congo beach. Yeah, about the dredging yesterday. Yeah. But how many youths uh, reposted that? None. Yeah. Not so much though. How Was many it well repost- attended? How many saw and reposted? Well, most of the people who did attend uh, have interest in the subject in that either they work in the hotel business or they depend highly on fishing for their own day-to-day mm-hmm. kind of life. Actually, it's the stakeholders who stakeholders who actually yeah. protested and not even like the residents. The residents, yes, there. they were there, but in small, small percentage, numbers. small yes. numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So, so literature is, is like a van, yeah? And somebody's there stepping on the gas pedal. Mm. Who's that person stepping on the gas pedal? Like the editors. The custodian or what? Yeah, the, the edit, news editors, okay. these mm. media houses. Who owns the van? The van is owned by everybody. Mm. But now not everybody can be on the gas pedal. There's only one seat. What if he dies? <laughs> Probably we'll do some... <laughs> <laughs> Because, because yeah. uh, I'm trying to like get hold of the all the all Sudan thing mm-hmm. online, and mainly you tell like it's only about the woman, the lady whose yeah. image was yeah. there, yeah. image yeah. Of, of which power to our women, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think as as he said. The media will only cover what they are pro. Like the media, in any agenda, the media will take the side and cover the side mm-hmm. that we want, feels um, it's good to go with the masses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also on publishing. Yeah, you might be having a very good story. Yeah, mm-hmm. but by the time you publish your work, it will take like eight years. Some people just start and boom, there they have published. 
but now by the time you publish your work you become irrelevant because Why? you become irrelevant because maybe you're writing on a political situation right now mm-hmm. yeah Uh, maybe you are talking about the uh, the SGR stuff mm-hmm. because right now what what is the cost per kilometer well it's there's crazy. so many numbers it's being yeah. uh, dished out yeah. so you yeah, can actually can have check proper, that I have yeah. so it was around the last time i had about it maybe it might be a rumor but around 800 million yeah, yeah. so they per say kilometer. yeah mm-hmm. but whether it's 800 or 600 it is the most expensive rail line in in eastern central africa, africa. yeah yeah It's so funny because uh, Ethiopia had their the same, the same, the same but yeah. at a cheaper and cost. And theirs is way much better. And ours is a bit irrelevant as well, seeing as it doesn't actually get to the end. Yeah, even the idea of the president, deputy president going to China, asking mm-hmm. for more money to get the railway to, to Kisumu. It's irrelevant because we just yesterday the people in the western province were like, why is the railway going to Kisumu, yet we, the people in the border, We are the ones trading with Ugandans. Mm-hmm. Kenya, actually, um, the biggest um, partner in terms of business in East Africa is Uganda and Kenya. Yeah. Why is the railway not heading towards Bungoma, you know, where we're t- doing, where uh, people who are trading foodstuff in, in, in Eldoret, textile. you know, you know, textile. Uh, why is it heading to Kisumu? You know, such questions because at the end of the day, it needs to benefit almost everyone economically you know so such questions you know are, can only be answered by interests you know by the people who are in power only the americans can tell their stories in a very heroic different kind of way even though we are seeing wakanda forever <laughs> you know kind of stories and we having two sides of africans who are in support of the movie and think it's phenomenal it's interesting it's amazing and we're having the other side of africans like myself who think that's not the african story at all because of the depiction of who africans are the story how look at rofus how he's looking at me he's no i went to the movie yeah he did he, it's fictional at the end of the day it so is, we don't have to take it so serious. serious you yeah. know but at the end of the day it's it's still portrayed as the african story entirely you know but why can't why have we waited so long to tell our own stories you know to hit the blockbuster you see literature literature is portraying the society yeah. and the society is run on political systems you cannot uh, you cannot remove uh, politics from, from running politics. of a nation Yeah. Can we? Can you? Mara. At, at this stage no, I don't think so. Mm. Politics affects every aspect Do of you? our lives. But I certainly think that within that I think where politicians in Africa are failing is that they are totally ignoring um our history and our culture and that feeds down the line as well. So um for example, I'll I'll talk briefly about the project that I'm doing up in Kwale um and it's really been inspired by my experiences of being a performance storyteller in a country like Scotland which lives for its stories yeah. it could not survive without its yeah, stories sure. um and the stories the value within stories I've seen how they affect people on a very personal level how it affects society because you know stories link people together 
We see that here in Kenya on a more, in a more negative sense, I suppose, with tribalism because it's very easy to say the Gikuyus are like that, the Luos are like that, the, the coastal peoples are like that. You know, So these stories connect people and divide people, but they can also bring people together in lots of different ways as well. And then also we can't ignore the economics of, of stories and storytelling mm-hmm. as well because certainly even from the Scottish example of the Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. everybody knows the Loch Ness Monster. Tourists flock to see this yeah, monster. The, yeah. Does it exist? You know, that, that yeah, remains question, to be yeah. seen. However, it benefits the government because they have something to market. It benefits the, the guy who owns the little hotel. It benefits the woman who has the cafe, you know, in so many different ways. And it's one story. Yeah. And here in Kenya, we have how many stories? Uh, so oh, many. many stories. And so do we many. do anything with them? Absolutely no, nothing. nothing. People will come here, not just from abroad, but people from Nairobi. They don't know anything about the coast and they'll go back thinking that, you know, it's a very limited story that we offer them here. And there's so many possibilities and so many opportunities that we have. But the problem is that we don't believe in ourselves and we actually don't see the value that these stories have. And we are focused from that government level of thinking, maendeleo, maendeleo, we have to develop, develop infrastructure. And actually, what is, what is that? You know, for me, it is not about building haraka haraka, all of these like concrete houses and the mabati roofs. You have to build the minds, you have to build the souls and you have to build people. And then when you build that, then everything else comes. But all of this, all of this, you know, People flock to all of these old cities because there was the because of the literature. Sure, yeah. Because, like in Edinburgh, in the in Scotland, the, the Waverley Station is named after a novel. It's the only railway station in the world that's named after a novel by a Scottish writer. They have huge monuments, you know, after these authors. In Kenya, do we see any author that is celebrated? No, none. Not not even one. And not like even Gugu at the Not even Gugu at the Nobody. And we see that you know, like the we have everybody is talking about the rich oral African tradition Whereas I see it's actually very, very quickly going. It's dying. And like you'll find it in the villages maybe, but if you go into the cities... There's nothing like that. Who has time no to one. sit around and tell stories Absolutely anymore? No there was you a know? question that we, we were given in, in, in campus, yeah. But the question was, mm. it's by Wole Soyinka. Mm. Wole Soyinka. Yeah. Is Africa a literary desert? Hmm. Is it? Now you, you are to defend yourself. You justify your, your position is Africa a literary desert? Yeah. Uh, Looking at how, how Africans are, are embracing other people's culture, culture. Mm-hmm. at a very high speed. Yeah. How we, we, we narrate our, our very own stories. Actually, we hate ourselves. Yeah. yeah. You see, the, the, the mode of dressing for, for our people. Yeah. It's slowly uh, changing. In fact, it, what, what is our dress now? We don't have. We have the the kanga maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe. apart from that, kisu kisute, kisu, the, kisu, kisutu, kisutu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 red black pattern with mm-hmm. some blue. Then then also in language, yeah. Mm-hmm. For example, our constitution uh, acknowledges that there are two languages: English, yeah? Swahili, official, mm-hmm. the official language and mm-hmm. the state language. Yeah. So English is an official language, then the state language. Is so I'm not wrong. Yes, yeah. it is. Now there is this problem where people perceive English to be a better, yes, yeah, a better language compared to Swahili. So, so mostly, mostly like you are considered intelligent if you can speak sure. fluent sure. Yes. English. Yeah. Even even in our schools, yeah. Yet the French we, can't even speak English. People mm. for four days in a week, the, the children or the students are told to speak in English. 
only on Friday they speak in Kiswahili they are allowed to and you are given a bone if you speak in Swahili yeah, yeah sure you see mm. so so we are being more official with yeah. a language that is not ours it is not ours yeah. yeah so it could be better if maybe they could share these days maybe three days two days then mm-hmm. the next week is two days three days for either language yeah. you know you know mm-hmm. we're talking of things that are so it, it might sound like just languages but it's so deep yeah. there's this Much question more. yeah there's this question when i was in law school we were asked there was a subject called jurisprudence it talks about the science of law like where did law start or begin why are we doing this and the big question is we asked ourselves is does it mean that the africans didn't have any system of governance and law because in its own account most of the laws that we are currently using are english mm-hmm. you know so the biggest question was what happened to our own laws because we had systems for instance right now most of the trees are cut down and we're complaining about global warming but there was a system in africa whereby you cannot harvest the coconut unless it's this month when you when people see you with carrying mangoes and coconuts and no one else this is not the month to harvest you'll be prosecuted and that was the law of the land you know but currently we have a system that does not acknowledge most of this richness within our own society so what happens so the biggest question is when did the rain start beating us so the answer was i guess it's because africans don't write their own laws if anything is not written it never existed so we failed in documenting most of this subjects or these laws or these cultures these stories into a point that we're slowly losing ourselves you know we're not you slowly not, not, losing not all we have we're gone very quickly losing yeah. <laughs> but actually i think we're at that that point where we have the old and we still have access to the old even though a lot of them are dying still and it's just from like during the colonial pe- during the colonial period and then to now it one system was replaced with another one and in a normal society that would have evolved over time however this happened in no time at all and therefore there's not been that catch up so you've got this was totally shunned saying this is all backwards primitive you know forget about it it's useless this is the new standard and people are now thinking still believing in that process oh yeah that's something from a long time ago and we need to focus on this but there is actually still a gap where we do have access to the old and it's a real gift that we need to embrace embrace and treasure and archive as much as possible because we are going to lose in the next 10 20 years it is going to be gone and i think when people are talking about like if you're looking at countries around us for example rwanda and everyone is oh rwanda is amazing it's wonderful and beautiful and if you look at it from the surface yes it's clean and yes it has big skyscrapers and it looks all wonderful but if i was to look at it i'm like i don't know where this is There is nothing that tells me that I am in Rwanda. It doesn't tell me anything about the culture. There's not even the shape of the architecture yeah, has any yeah, kind yeah. of significance or symbolism. And I think that that's a lost opportunity. And I think when we are getting to that because I know that Kenya is now planning these mega cities yeah. somewhere in the center, at least use our architects yeah. and let them be inspired by what is around us and we have like so many different cultural places to sure. you know we can take all of this from. Sure. And if we choose to ignore it 
can just start building or we'll go to somebody who was an architect and they graduated from Harvard or whichever the next, you know, the most wonderful uh, architectural school in the world is. And if they do that, then we also miss out on an awful lot of, of representing. Actually, this is who we are. And people come to places because of what is there and what they see. They don't come because things are nice and clean and made of glass. We, we are missing out in this is because and it's because people are not proud, I guess, of where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. People, when they leave, they get better jobs in Mombasa County or Nairobi. They will never want to be associated with Kwale. They'll say, oh, people from Kwale, you are Chawi. Mm -hmm. Yet in most of these movies, like um, the originals, there's this town in France. I think it's, is it in France or is it in America? I haven't with the originals. Originals, you know, where there's there's like a fiesta or whatever ceremony to celebrate the witch people, whatever. You know, like we could celebrate the same because the kayas are not just about trees, the kayas are about the richness in these practices that were mm-hmm. there before and they were symbolic in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it is true, I think we need to have leaders who understand the history of our people Mm -hmm. because it's the only thing that defines us and takes us to the next level. And if that is slowly, you know, vanishing, for lack of a better word, then I guess we are doomed. So what can we do about the same? I think from from my point of view, I write English. I write in English. Yeah? Some some of my poems or most of my poems are in English. But now uh, I'm giving them a title, an African an African title. Mm. Yeah. So before you interact with my work, you interact with my culture. Welcome home. Yeah. Like I was looking at some of uh, some of the pieces that I've written. Uh, there is one uh, called Nyoto. Uh, Nyoto means the nipple. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, the nipple because this child was to suck life out of it. Then there's Jigoma. Yeah, uh, there's also, uh, uh, what is this? Ukongo. Ukongo mm, means sickness. Yeah, sickness. Yeah, or mm. any malady. Then Akuvi. Yeah, where is he? Where is he right now? It's about a pastor who was sinning in a in a guest house somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please tell us that. That's interesting. Yeah. What happened to him? Yeah, he died. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then there is Chubui. Mm-hmm. Then Hawara. Hawara is yeah. Kiswahili, yeah, mm-hmm. meaning uh, a whole or you know, a light time, a prostitute. A mistress. Would you support a, a move maybe by the education sector to to make maybe uh, to teach uh, what do we call it mother, mother tongue, tongue in yeah. schools? Yes, if yeah, South Africans are doing that. it, why can't yeah. we? In Scotland, we have a, it's government policy that every child in school must experience storytelling. Mm-hmm. Government policy. So see, but that yeah. policy favors history. Yeah, yeah. It, favors it favors history. Favors literature. Yeah. It yeah. favors the growth of, mm-hmm. of these kids. Yeah. But I think childhood. what I have found, um, because I've always wanted to apply what I have learned in Scotland here, yeah. because I grew up here. So this for me is home as well. But it's always been very challenging for a long time to see how that could be done. And I think when you start talking about culture and arts and you know storytelling and things, people 
actually people are not, it's not that they are maybe not interested in the importance of it in terms of identity or belonging or, you know, this, but it's just people have other priorities. And so in order to access the way I have found it successful is coming from an economic perspective. So the project that we have up in in um, in Begani, there's a village called Begani, and my grandmother used to live in the village. And yeah, it's past Dima, so you go normally Where's you go Dima? in. Is it in Lungalunga or is Ibiza, it Ibiza? And then you go in from Ibiza about like 20 minutes inland there. So it's it's a village like all the other villages, you know. There's but it's like all the other villages is it's a very beautiful place, hills and valleys, and it's green and everything and but the thing is is that we are 30 minutes from the tourist industry of course nobody benefits from it um we have so it's a very multicultural society so there are kambas luyas digos whatever there's a lot of different people there do rumors there of course um so it's very mixed culturally there's christians there's muslims it's a very mixed community but again people are really struggling you know they are farmers and in the dry season there's nothing even for them to farm so then it was like okay how can we maybe work in a community development sense also for people to then use use their cultural heritage and their expertise, which they have, but they maybe don't see it as that, in a way for people to benefit economically as well. So um, what we're doing there is that we actually have a lot of, that we have a training center, and the training center is also encouraging people to value what they have. And it's something as simple as tying the baby on the back, which Nairobians have forgotten to do, people from abroad don't know how to do. And if people came here, if they could learn how to do it, so you're going to pay somebody for teaching you something, how to climb the coconut tree, how to build using <laughs> matope, how makuti. to tie the makuti. Yeah. These are things that we are of such importance that are so of here and now, have such value and like nobody appreciates. Talking of that, growing up in Tiri, like we'd walk along, we'd see these little, uh, they're called Mia. I Minya. know, Mia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, my mom and I were looking for a mat. And we couldn't get hold of anyone yeah. who makes nowadays it's rare. Yeah, the only the only guy who used to do that yeah. in TV died. Just yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in TV, so we mm-hmm. we actually went to TV to find yeah. one, and I felt so bad about. It. I don't yeah. know, but I was like. And in Begani, like, I saw man. I passed two women who were making them yeah. the other day. Yeah. <laughs> so we still have um, it up there. Yeah, we still have yeah. it. But we the thing still, is, uh, yeah. how like we're losing touch of it. Like yes, yeah, so rapid. Yeah, so rapid. Only we could like. Uh, have a generation that grew interest in how to uh, to knit yeah. the mat, you know, and to, to become the masters because exactly. you could do it. But I think there's yeah. a lot of now. I think I feel that we are very happy with mediocrity a lot sure. of the time. Mm-hmm. Like you just want somebody, please come and do this job for me. I go away, I come back, and I trust that it's done well. And you've, and it's actually very rare to find <laughs> that now as well. But yeah, the other part of the project, it's. We call it like the um, the social, artistic, and environmental regeneration of this community. And so setting up this sculpture park is the idea is that we have these mega sculptures that are then positioned on different people's lands. So on your shamba, there's Luanda Magere. On my shamba, there's Mekatilili Wamwenza. On your shamba, there's, you know, whatever. But it's just, it's basically reflecting the diversity of Kenyan of, yeah, cultures. Yeah. Because also one of the problems that we have here is we don't really know anything about each other. We either. absolutely know nothing. And for 
something like so for example the one I like you know I I'm, I love women of course and like somebody like Mekatilili Wamwenza is such a powerful role model and you know people like ah people at the coast are like this and then they hear a story about somebody like Mekatilili and they're like wow you know how amazing that a woman like this could actually have lived and she was old when she started as well she was not some young thing so she's a very powerful symbol of of you know strong womanhood and just fighting oppression you know things like that and but the sculptures have to be designed so that they are very uh, impressive so they're on a world class level so we have one that we have the funding for already and it's um like a tribute to shimoni so it's uh, where people you know you go now and you find the chains in the in the walls and things so this one is a lot of kenyans don't even know about shimoni anyway so we have uh, the plan is a, a big tunnel and then you walk through the tunnel and it's like audiovisual projections so it's like you're experiencing taking that that journey through Shimoni Cave so it's things like that and like the Luanda Magere is it's not like somebody has just taken a sculpture and has carved it and is just there no these are are really big things yeah. that you would see but they are very Kenyan and from all over Kenyan and celebrating and even in terms of the literature one of the artworks is to take um, you know like quotes from some of the Kenyan authors and just engrave them on rocks throughout on this trail so that you're all you're being inspired by the words of Ngugi, you're being inspired, you know, even the more contemporary authors like, uh, you know, Yvonne at a war. Yeah. yeah, so she wrote dust. So things like that. So just everywhere is just somehow reflected. And so and economic empowerment that comes from that is that when people are coming, they come to your shamba to see Luanda, but you've already been trained and now you can teach them how to use coconut. They come to my shamba to see Mekatilili. I'm already trained too with my own small micro business. So instead of relying only on agriculture, then I can also use my cultural knowledge and then that way, it's a very fair exchange of tourism as well, because I am teaching you a skill and I'm getting something for it as well, rather than it always being that same typical, there's either the waiters or the gardeners or everything and all the other higher positions are occupied by people from the expatriate community. I have a question, though. Does yeah. that entail, does the project entail, um, what, what's the word, um, adoptation in terms of perhaps... Uh, um, these tourists coming over to learn or local tourists rather wanting to learn for a certain kind of period of time they come live with Rofa's family in that village they can they can they can awesome yeah because i thought this could be part of the package entirely and could make more sense in light of now shaping up and really teaching people about these cultures that yeah. are there within the community. Mm -hmm. yeah. In fact, next week we have, on Friday, we have an American who's coming for two months. She wants to stay, yeah. But the idea generally is just for people who are coming here, there's like, they go up there and they can spend the whole day because we have a beautiful river and, and then it empowers people because, you know, if you get visitors going there, See, they have to drink. Yes. And then where's the juice going to come from? See, the fruits that are grown locally. They have to eat, preferably, from fruit that's grown locally. In light of what you've learned, Rufus, from this conversation today and what you're taking home. What I'm taking home, uh, my pick is uh, as much as we try to ignore these, um, our African stories, of which they are so rich, uh, educative, and... It's uh, like, according to me, I feel bad that uh, 
I would be able to be that grandfather who will sit down with Here the grandkids <laughs> and tell stories. So you tell know. us a story. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah. you know? Rufus, do you have any stories apart from what my you grandma, did? My grandmother used to tell me stories, you know. Do you remember them? Yeah, I do remember them. I do wow. remember them. That's why when you told the story mm-hmm. at the session uh, with the Rotarians, yeah. I could see, like, um, most of them probably it took them back, mm-hmm. you know, because my grandmother would tell us a story or you will be told a story and it will still be at the back of your mind even when you're going to, to sleep mm-hmm. and you'd still uh, like ask more questions of mm-hmm. okay so what happened why couldn't they uh, yeah. mm-hmm. the the rabbit do this or yeah. why couldn't the hyena do this you know yeah. such things and yeah I'll, that's what I'm saying like it's so sad that I'll be that grandfather mm-hmm. who won't be able to tell stories to my grandkids because I, as much as I was told stories, I didn't pick up that and to continue to not only hear them, but also find books from indigenous uh, writers and also and uh, read, get to know more. Plus the experience yeah. in itself. They are exactly. Have you heard, is it the Villa Mukadzi? No. It's from here as well. It's like Duruma, and it was when we were researching which sculptures we would put around the trail, it was actually really problematic because we were saying this is Duruma territory, you know, and like we couldn't find a Duruma story. And we were speaking to people and say, oh, there was an old man who used to play music. And I like, no, no, we want to go further back, further mm. back. And then they were saying that they're these, uh, the spirits, mm. and then they love babies. Mm. <gasps> you know the ones. Yeah, I know them. And then they come and they make the babies laugh at yes. night. So if you're a parent and you hear your newborn is laughing and giggling, then you know they're yes. being visited yeah. by these spirits. Yeah. So if they come too often, if they love your baby they a lot... They take this kid they or would, Oh, I didn't know. They say that this one, they will just... Your baby will have stunted growth. They, they take and the spirit of this kid, so... But these ones are not bad spirits. They are not bad spirits, but at the same so time, yeah. they make this kid... That's why... Okay. Because the, the they story draw, I heard, they put the mark exactly. to keep them away. They keep this mark, mm-hmm. and they put this wanja thing, mm-hmm. and then they have something called mvuje. Mm. The bracelet, a, yes. yes. The bril- yeah. It smells, it stinks, so... Mm-hmm. Bad, bad demons or any kind of demons yes. can't get near this kid mm-hmm. because what they do to this kid is that yes they love them but where they're coming from mm-hmm. is not a good source mm-hmm. so that source won't benefit the kid so the health of the kid will deteriorate even though they yeah. love this imaginary friend Yeah, you know so eventually this kid won't grow because we'll be stuck in that time where mm-hmm. it's just happy and whatever yeah. but see but, this is this is a story that's from here yeah. And like everybody should know it, but I grew up here and I'd never heard of it until, yeah. you know, 30s. Some, it's, it, it's actually a Mijikenda thing. Yes. From Digos, Giriamas yes. and all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but if you look at it and if you compare something like that to the fairies that you hear about yeah. everywhere, you know, those, you know, it's Tangaza, everybody knows about fairies, but nobody knows about this. And actually... It's because of religion. Because of religion. Yes, because we've, we have Religion had, or culture religion because there's this set of scholars who tag everything shirk shirk means it's 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 what's the word shirk shirk al akbar there's shirk to mean shirk akbar is the big shirk means um blasphemy you know where you 
perceive some other being to be superior to protect you more than god mm-hmm. so when these africans from this side embraced islam they decided to pretend because we so are, religion ultimately becomes culture yeah mm-hmm. to, yeah so like, yes life. exactly exactly super sense yeah. but yes. now it is difficult for an african to to put religion Yeah they do pretend they, they pretend, pretend but the thing is is that when you live in a capitalist society as well then that takes over which is why a lot of the time you'll get you you know you have a lot of Europeans now and it's you know Christianity came with the Europeans a lot of them are not so christian as they once were you know and maybe that is as a result of economic empowerment that actually maybe we don't need all of this anymore or there's less fear of the superstitions you know that people once had because if you don't need to worry about like we were talking about it um, in the village and when poverty comes with uh, the superstitions and the witchcraft you know if i'm struggling my crops are failing and i go nihuyo you know and then i can blame everything on you and it's it's a it's a it's a power thing as well and so this kind of fuels it however if we are both okay then there's no need necessarily for that to the same extent unless it's just bitterness of character you know so yeah, yeah. but anyway one of our sculptures is that now shafi you're parting short mobundu 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 seke seke maybe i can <laughs> <laughs> I can read one one of the poems that so hawara here is hawara <clears throat> two holes stood silently on a supermarket queue to pay for their wares with spoils from the previous night in the first hole trolley a boot is shot by dolls and gabana ud al sultan from zanzibar islands dozen wigs natural hair from brazil a leather handbag couple packs of contraceptives but to celebrate her victories she joni walked picked a jack daniels then smiled back to the queue in the second horse trolley a bottle of calpol syrup two pairs of school socks a stuffed baby doll exercise books crayons hb2b pencils and her sanitary pads after the weekend her daughter will start school two horses each had her share in vending their wares mabundu seke seke wow I, i i had to close my eyes to imagine yeah. all that to any your detail mm-hmm. uh, uh, i'm just uh, uh wait okay oh that was in the different trolleys yeah different yeah. trolleys <laughs> Each hole had a trolley of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, already, I already have the shopping list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> judge not, eh? Yeah, yeah judge not. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so 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 I wrote this poem so that we, let's not blame those people who are doing prostitution out there because each one of them has a reason to to, to be in prostitution, yeah? Because I personally schooled with, with with some people who I can't mention but their mothers were out there during the nights the cold nights but they're paying school fees for these kids yeah uh while others are doing it because of peer pressure but uh, the big j- question is shafi is it prostitution or is it that they provide service to people who need comfort well, that is a whole other that, that is another dimension <laughs> yeah? Yeah. you see <laughs> 
but but basing on whatever I had written here and to speak about it, it's just to respect these people who are out there sure. doing doing this life, yeah. While others are busy using the same avenue to to get comfort, because these are the slay queens who are having Dolce and Gabbana fake hair and buying alcohol the other one is buying sanitary pads for herself and in fact the following week she won't be on duty you see you just have to say duty goodness <laughs> it's duty <laughs> so yeah i'm just encouraging other youths out there to take part actively take part in in issues on on literature it's a very rich area you can you can uh, capitalize on it maybe publish your works hook up with people who produce music write for them lyrics they need lyrics out there yeah because the content that they're writing some of them is mediocrity yeah so you can approach them and share these uh, ideas of yours to them and they will bite i have a friend of mine uh pale to chepe chepe so i normally write i don't i don't charge i just i just do it for free i've volunteered for for a long time now and have that spirit of volunteering so I just write and just give it to him then he does his music yeah yeah sure Mm, interesting. Well, he told us sto- a thing. I was going to tell a short story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he read one of his poems, so I'll tell a, try and I'll keep it very short. But this one, it's um a story from the beginning of okay, the, yeah. the so, beginning of the world. Sorry, I can I can only imagine myself. I don't know why I'm smiling when she said this is a story. And I looked at him he's like, like yeah, 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 I'm, I'm experienced though. Once so upon a time. Yeah. Yeah. So there was it's the beginning of time when God first made the world and he was handing out the amount of time that each living creature would have. So to the mighty baobab he gave 1000 years, to the tiny fly he gave just a few days. And he gave out time after time until there were only four left. There was the human being, there was the big ox, there was the dog and there was the monkey. And he summoned the human and he said, "Human, your job is very important because you have to keep the balance of the world. The world will always evolve and change and you must maintain the balance so 30 years. You will have 30 years." And the human was very grateful. And then God turned to the ox and he said, "Ox, your job is also important because you must help the human." You see the human is going to be using his creativity, his imagination, is going to be trying out new things. The human is clever, but the human is weak. And so the human will need your physical strength for certain jobs. 30 years. But the ox thought, "Ah, 30 years of hard labor. No, 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 no. It's too much. Please God, I beg you. I just want 10." And of course God loved his creation, so he agreed. But the human spotted an opportunity. and said god if the ox does not want those extra 20 years so you give them to me and god didn't see a problem so he handed the human ox's 20 years and then he turned to the dog and said dog you must also help the human because the human will be working very hard during the day and needs to recover and rest at night so you will stay awake and keep the human safe 30 years and the dog thought ah 30 years of sleepless nights no please god i beg you i just want 10 and of course god loved his creations and agreed and the human saw another opportunity and asked for dogs 20 years and received them and then god turned to the monkey and said monkey your job is important you will also help the human because the human will sometimes have to make very difficult decisions and those decisions will weigh heavily on the human soul and the only way to prevent that is to make the human laugh and that is your job 
30 years. But the monkey thought, ah, 30 years of being funny. Oh, it's not fun. It's really not fun. Please, God, I beg you, 10, 10 is enough for me. And God agreed. And again, the human asked for those 20 years that were going spare and received them. So there are some people who believe your first 30 years are your real human years, imagination, creativity. Then you move into your ox years where you work hard. Then you move into your dog years where you have sleepless nights. You're worrying about your children. You're worrying about the future until finally you're in your monkey years where you should have gathered enough stories to entertain everybody around you. So do you have the monkey stories now? You've got them. Yeah, I've yet to gather them. I think think the order of my years is quite confused. Do you know, it's interesting you say that because the good thing with stories is like, (laughs) it's a nice little story, but I've actually used that story when we were talking about um, children who are in hard labor. And it was a nice story. You have all these people listening and ah, nice story. And then you're saying, actually, but there are some children who are already living their the ox years. Mm, yeah. There are already like, children who are so stressed. They are already in their dog years. You know, so it's a, stories are a really powerful way. Even the Washu story that you heard at the Rotarian yeah, Club. We were talking about, you know, yeah. it's just about challenging traditions and mm. things like that. So one story actually covers a lot of different things. So stories are important. We you, need to you, keep them. Actually, I love the, the work that story, he's doing. The Washu mm. story we left a debate where like, so the men were like, yeah, women should not eat meat. And like, no, why should <laughs> If a story ca- has a debate afterwards, then yeah, it's a good that, story. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. This is super interesting, guys. Mm. Right now, I'm just going through the <laughs> website trying to see if there's a segment where now I can get more stories or something like that. There's yeah. on that, oh, that, not on that one, but I will. Uh, I, it's going to come. Yeah. yeah, the website needs to be updated because we've had a lot of uh, updates, progress yeah. since then. We've got biogas in the village oh. now, so we're using cow manure to prevent deforestation wow. instead. So that's happening. So yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean the village, of course, it has mm. its own issues, yeah. and you have some people who are drivers yeah. uh, far more than others. Mm. Um, and the biogas was funded by base, actually, base titanium. by base titanium. Yeah. yeah, and we want more from them. Yeah, we definitely. expect more from them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, generally, I think one of the advantages is that my grandmother was there, mm. and so it's not like I'm new, just going there and saying, "Hi, guys, let's yeah, do this." From here. So I played with a lot of those kids when I, well, the women my age, the guys my age, when we were children. So it's not like I'm a stranger going in. So I think there's advantages mm. to that as well. So to Najuana. Yeah. Like there was a time I was doing data collection in Kidifi. And there are some places where if you don't if you don't pass by uh the village elder, then you won't get any reception at the household level. And also if you don't acknowledge the the head of the household as you are moving across here, yeah, trust me, if you're going to interview women, they won't speak to you. They'll refer you back to the to the old man that you passed without greeting. You said, it, it seems as if you did so. You were among those no, guys no, no, no. who we, did that. We, we were with some, some ladies there, then they were dressed like, they're not dressed decently according to the cultures. Yeah, you don't go in a trouser, you're a woman and you're dressed in a trouser or a mini skirt or a skirt of any kind. It's just offensive to the to the people there. So they had to be given lessons to tie around their, themselves. Yeah. On that remarks, guys, we will love to love you and leave you 
and thank you so much for listening to the About You podcast. Remember, it is proudly sponsored by Diani Brief Resort and Spa. It is not a hotel. It's a way of life. From Mara, Shafi, Mobudu, Sekeseke, Rufus and I, we thank you so much for listening. You can listen to the podcast on all podcast platforms and as well on our website on www.jfm.co.